Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Welcome. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. I am here on location uh, speaking to pastors this morning at a pro-life breakfast here in Missouri. I got to give a shout out to the team here at Learfield here in Missouri, uh, giving us access to their uh, studios and helping us get set up for today's show. They did not have to do that. More than a professional courtesy. So very thankful to them for that. Thankful as well to have Todd and Aaron have you guys back there in Des Moines. I trust you guys are seeing me and hearing me okay. How are you guys doing? Excellent. You look sharp. Yeah, looks good. Well, we had some pros help us this time in Learfield, so we want to make sure to give them uh, credit for that. Also, I got to give you guys credit uh, in the audience. Yesterday, um, my forthcoming children's book, book two, in my trilogy of children's books on America's Christian heritage, Why Easter, Jesus Died for Us So We Can Live Forever, was the number one mover and shaker on all of Amazon yesterday. Every book, every book on Amazon, regardless of format, it was number one among movers and shakers, meaning we started from nothing and the amount of, uh, of traffic that you guys generated for that project on day one made it the number one riser on all of Amazon.com. That's incredible. Cannot thank you guys enough for that. Releasing March the 5th. Pre-orders are available now at Amazon.com. Why Easter? Jesus died for us so we can live forever tells the full gospel story to your children, and then points out there's no America without that gospel story and how that gospel story inspired the country that they are blessed and fortunate to be born into and therefore have a responsibility to hold on to. So if you want to pre-order your copy today coming out on March the 5th, you can do that now. If you want an autographed copy, you can do that via premiercollectibles.com slash Easter. PremierCollectibles.com slash Why Easter, though, there's only that's a limited run. There's only going to be 2000 of those. So we wanted to make sure those of you on the show, you get first crack at them. Uh, PremierCollectibles.com slash Why Easter. All right. Coming up on today's show. Theology Thursday will continue the Bible study uh, that uh, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston and I put together, Know Thy Enemy, for my film Nefarious. We'll have three non-political questions. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to a former Border Patrol agent in a no-holds-barred conversation you do not want to miss. But before we get to all of that, let's begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by From Confetti to Crime Scene. Pandemonium in Kansas City's Union Station yesterday following a parade and rally for the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. At least three suspects are in custody after shots rang out and victims hit the ground. Between 20 to 25 were injured with one dead. No word from police on what precipitated the shooting or motive or the identities of the shooters. There were upwards of 600 to 800 police officers in the crowd yesterday. Bad guys with bad intent carried out this senseless violence anyway. Didn't stop the predictable calls for gun control from the usual suspects. Reportedly, one of the suspects was subdued by a Chiefs fan as he was trying to run away. More on that later. 
Donald Trump's trial in New York over hush money payments he allegedly made to porn star Stormy Daniels was given the all clear to start on March 25th. Trump is accused of falsifying business records related to a payment his then lawyer Michael Cohen gave porn star Stormy Daniels shortly before the 2016 election in exchange for her silence. And now those the point on the montage where I wonder, did we get bamboozled? True the Vote is that organization behind the documentary film 2000 Mules, which debuted in 2022. The central claim of the documentary is that 2,000 mules were paid to illegally collect ballots and deliver them to drop boxes in key swing states ahead of the 2020 presidential election. Well, now True the Vote has told a Georgia judge it doesn't have evidence to support its claims of illegal ballot stuffing during the 2020 general election and a runoff two months later. Texas-based True the Vote filed complaints with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger in 2021, including one in which it said it had obtained a detailed account of coordinated efforts to collect and deposit ballots in drop boxes across Metro Atlanta during the November 2020 election and a January 2021 runoff. A Fulton County Superior Court judge in Atlanta signed an order last year requiring True the Vote to provide evidence it had collected, including the names of people who were sources of information. Now, in their written response, attorneys for True the Vote said the group had no names or other documentary evidence to share. Oklahoma giveth and Oklahoma taketh away. A school administrator in suburban Oklahoma City has quit his job after he was exposed by libs of TikTok as moonlighting as a drag queen. Subsequently, he was pressured by Oklahoma State Superintendent of Public Instruction Ryan Walters to resign and has since acquiesced. Oklahoma giveth and now Oklahoma taketh away. This video from the group Abolitionists Rising is making the rounds. It shows a conversation between Oklahoma State Representative Marcus McIntyre purportedly a pro-lifer, and T. Russell Hunter, director of Abolitionists Rising. The entire video is over 12 minutes long, but listen to this excerpt. I'm just asking you no. if you would consider supporting a bill to abolish abortion in Oklahoma. No, I will not support a bill for abolish abortion in Oklahoma. I think it's fine for you to be like, I am a pro-lifer, which means I will not abolish abortion in Oklahoma. That's not, I'm not trying to get you on that. Okay. I was just see like, I don't, I don't know you, so I don't know what yeah, you're trying to. Because some pro-lifers might be like, no, I think abortion's murder. I don't want people doing it. I do think I the role of the government. Well, I do. But it, but do you think the gov the role of the government should be to stop barbaric things? Um. That depends. Learning Chinese today. Today's phrase is: Is rape barbaric? It depends. 强奸是野蛮行为吗? Where are the men? Well, we found a couple. Paul Contreras is one of the two men who tackled and subdued one of the suspects in yesterday's shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl rally. Contreras had driven from his home in Omaha for the parade and rally, and he told KETV Channel 7 in Omaha that when he saw the subject, he knew inaction was not a choice. One guy was hollering and saying, you know, stop him, or catch him, you know, tackle him, whatever. And he's just, just bailing running. And out of nowhere, I heard that guy hollering. So I'm just like, okay, well, I'm right here. And I just, I didn't think about it. It was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And so, like I said, I did, and another good Samaritan did, and we held him down. 
and it seemed like forever, but it probably wasn't. It was like 30 seconds holding him down, and me and the other gentleman are hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? Where's, you know, get the cops over here, get the cops over here. You know, we got them. Well done, man. That's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Preborn, the outstanding pro-life ministry. And we partnered with them here on The Blaze last year to save about 58,000 babies from being murdered last year. And in the process, saved about 58,000 moms as well from committing murder. And, and, and then having that soul wound, that stain on their souls um, that needs healing. Um, we saved both because that's really how we end this is we got to save the moms and the babies together. We have to love them both. They do that at preborn. And yes, I know with Bidenflation, everything's expensive, but it's still just 28 bucks for preborn to buy an ultrasound that over the years has saved lives about 80% of the time. Is there anything else that you are confident today you will spend 28 bucks on that has 80% odds of accomplishing more good than that? That's why you want to partner with us again to save even more this year. Preborn.com slash Steve is where you can donate. Tax deductible at preborn.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to Aaron's montage. And, and, and let's start uh, with Mr. Contreras there. Uh, did you hear what he said? I just acted. Did you guys catch that? Of course. I just acted. I just acted. Let me say it again. I just acted. I saw the guy had a weapon. I just acted. I saw there was danger. I just acted. I saw women and children were in danger. Innocents were imperiled. I just acted. I just acted. I just acted. I just acted. I didn't blog. Didn't send an email. Didn't text. Didn't contemplate. Didn't pontificate. Didn't pause. I just acted. I just acted. I just acted. I just acted. Now, for those of you that went to government school... What Mr. Contreras was demonstrating to you is what's called, and say it with me now, masculinity. Masculinity. And this is where um, uh, Audis, who can pee standing up, and were made with more muscle mass than the other uh, gender variation. Um, they were, with along with that added muscle mass, they were given like an instinct from a creator to act when they sense danger, uh, to act to defend innocents and women and children when they sense danger, uh, to try to stop danger, to try to punish danger, to hold danger and evil accountable. That, that's called, again, you may be new to this, and I don't blame you, but that's called masculinity. That's what that is. And I know we don't see a lot of that in this day and age. Instead, what we've seen a lot of in this day and age is when this kind of stuff goes on, people grab, including people with Audis that are also able to pee standing up, they grab one of these things and then just start filming it. That's not acting. That's not acting. Well, it's acting, but of a performance basis. All right. The key phrase there, I just acted. I just acted. Men, take the initiative. I just acted. My, I, I, I need to find out who's teaching my kids. I just acted. Uh, I need to see what curriculum my kids are being taught. I just acted. Um, I, I need to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I just acted. Um, I, I, I need to demonstrate a good work ethic to my kids and provide for them. I just acted. 
I, I need a mate. And she's interesting to me and single. I just acted. Act. Take initiative. Act. And, and, and in my opinion, that guy ought to be given like lifetime free season tickets at Arrowhead Stadium. And maybe it, uh, the team ought to give him a Super Bowl ring. Thoughts? It's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I don't. Another word for what you're saying is is uh, get uncomfortable. I, and listen, this is, hey, sports bro, love it. Love it. You went down there, put, celebrate your team, but like, you could, you, when it was time to get real, we just got done talking about this. Put down the fantasy, get real. You didn't hesitate. And like, I'll, I'm not asking you when I talk about this every day, you know, most of us don't have to run into a burning building. This is Steve's point. Like it's, and this, this guy did it without hesitation. Can you, can you do the basics? Can you check all the back boxes of what a, a, a male citizen is supposed to do before you start eating the gravy? And then no one has anything to say about anything. Um, this, but to your point, Steve, I hope this isn't just understated. I, I hope this guy is given all the things you uh, mentioned. And I hope mm-hmm. everybody reflects on the fact that, like, look at none of this stuff, the extra stuff that we have is worth it. it if, we will, if we will not do the thing. It's a perfect example yesterday. We... We have allowed so much decay and decadence. We won't be allowed to celebrate the things that are worth celebrating. We won't be allowed. There are people after these shootings that are just, they can't wait to send up the next we're going to take your guns memo. Trust me, all the lamenting, all the lamenting how terrible this is. I think it's terrible. Steve thinks it's terrible. Aaron with his own team certainly thinks it's terrible. The people on Twitter like Rich Eisenhower saying, oh, what will we do? They just want to take your guns away. And they just want their flat earth where they, Aaron off and he, if he wants to off camera can talk about this more, but you know, they, they, they want the flat earth. They want nothing but the fantasy 24 seven. This interrupts that. Um, I just, what a, what a stark reminder of this guy. It doesn't have to Steve's line of it. That movie he loves Joshua. He's telling you right there in his actions, not just words, actions. It doesn't have to be this way. It would be so much better if we were trying to rein in the masculine God-given instinct to act because it was happening too frequently that right. it would be People are too, too impetuous. We spent 10 minutes talking about this because it's so freaking rare. Mm-hmm. Act. It would be better to act and be wrong. In most instances, I would wager that I to agree. do nothing at all. So well done, Mr. Contreras. I, I've taught my son Noah since he was a little dude. It is better if you're not sure what to do as a man. It is better to act on instinct and wor- and risk making a mistake than to fail to act. Because at le- if, you, if you take initiative, there's time to make up for a mistake. If you fail to act, you lost the moment. Think about 
and and this is a tragedy and there are 20 injured at least 20 injured children and someone's not didn't go home from an event that there's no excuse to not go home from because of these three individuals we'll talk about them in a moment but under what would it have been like for Mr. Contreras if he would watch that guy run by knowing he could have acted and then didn't and then maybe more people get injured maybe more people maybe there's more than one body bag coming out of that event what would, what would his ability to have enjoyed his favorite team and celebrate with his favorite team and root for them forever sullied, forever marred? I challenge everybody who's an Audi in this audience and able-bodied and can peace standing up. Don't let the sun go down any day, any day, without acting on something that would benefit others, um, would serve others, act. There's there's at least one place every day where you can do that, act. And man, even in an audience this this size, I can't even imagine like a Bongino or Shapiro-sized, Megyn Kelly-sized audience. Even in an audience of this size, the difference in this culture, if all of the men within the sound of my hearing right now, just on a daily basis committed themselves to I'm going to act. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to act. I'm going to ask that girl out. I'm going to ask her to marry me. I'm going to go pick my kid up at school, find out what they were learning. Um, I'm going to go for that job promotion. Um, I'm going to play catch with my kid, teach oh. my kid to ride a bike. Sma- something. Smash, every day. Smash some idols. Yep. Every day. I'm going to act on something every single day. Every day. Now, the other side of this. How is it possible we don't know anything about these three individuals and their motivations yet? How is this possible? Well, that's the easiest answer of all. We don't want to. That's the only possible answer. Doesn't fit an agenda. Doesn't fit the current zeitgeist. Doesn't line up with whatever that may be. I, I, I don't know in which way they don't conform to the narrative. But it's pretty clear that if they did, we would know, right? I mean, if they if they went down there and said, this is MAGA country, bitch, and opened fire, we'd know, right? We'd have known 10 minutes later, right? So pretty clear there's reasons why they they have still been able to not ascertain a motivation for this. Weird. All right. I want to discuss something that was in your montage, Aaron, and it's kind of personal to me. Um, and I'm glad you put it in the montage. This is something, I, you know, I stuck my neck out. Most of the time, Aaron used to book the show. Todd does it now. 80%, if not more, of the people they book, I give them total freedom. I trust them to know what you guys want to hear, who I want to talk to. And they, whoever was in charge of booking the show, and in, in this era, it's Todd right now, has a lot of unilateral freedom. Every now and then, I will make a suggestion or even make a request and say, hey, let's get this person. And this was one of them. I watched 2,000 Mules. I found it very compelling. I wanted to get the group on, true the vote, behind it. We had them on. And I feel as if if I'm going to bring somebody on this show. I've had one rule over the years is is I, I will be professional and respectful no matter what you say on the show, provided as a guest... And you'll get your time, provided you don't lie to me or my audience. Doesn't mean you can't, you can believe things I think are lies. 
But I mean, your intent is to deceive. You're running a grift. You're running a scam. You're trolling us. Um, you're patronizing us. You're a deceiver. Some, you know, category there. Short of that, people are, you know, are typically treated very respectfully on the show. You may get questions you're not comfortable with, but you're, you're treated pretty respectfully. And so I, I brought this group on at my request, had them booked via Todd. I gave them a platform here and I gave them access to you. This is different than me personally, who were, as someone who worked closely with Jason Miller on the Cruz campaign, and to see him testify to the January 6th commission in a mask that, well, we knew all along that Donald Trump lost, and we even told him that. That, that bothered me just because I know this cat. But now this is different. I didn't give Jason Miller a platform. I gave these people one, though. And to see them go into court in Georgia, of all places, I mean, the, the, the two places where most of the complaints about the 2020 election are, are sequestered is Pennsylvania and Georgia. There's others, Arizona, Nevada, but most of the most of the actions have taken place in Pennsylvania and Georgia that we talk about. And to see them go into a court of law and say, we have no evidence to support our claims. Folks, wh why did people go to that rally on January 6th? Because they were concerned that their votes weren't being counted properly. And the election process lost integrity. That's why they went there. And then while they were there, within a small minority of the tens of thousands there, a riot breaks out. There are people in prison cells. People went to prison because they went to a rally that was about, they thought, stopping the steal. Now, let me say again, before I ever heard of a Linwood before I even before I thought release the Kraken was just a was only a reference to Clash of the Titans. We said I sat here on election night on the blaze, very concerned with what I was seeing from Antrim County, Michigan to Arizona. I remain very concerned and no one's alleviated my concerns about the chain of custody of these various mail and ballots. They're seemingly unique uniformity. They were like, we, we had less of a rejection rate of mail-in ballots in the highest mail-in ballot turnout election in American history than we do in average election. And anybody who's done any form of ergonomics, any form of productivity studies knows you don't get more efficient with something the first time you have to mass reproduce it. That just is not how human nature works. Yet we're being told that's how it worked in 2020. None of those concerns have been addressed, in my view. But here's what we have seen. We've seen Mike Lindell essentially go bankrupt for producing no results. And I know you guys are going to email me conferences and everything else. Uh, he's produced nothing in any court whatsoever, on any forum whatsoever. I like Mike. I have nothing personal against Mike. It breaks my heart what's happened to him. I also broke my heart to see him become so crazy for Donald Trump that he accused Ron DeSantis of 
uh, stealing the election in Florida. That was kind of my tap out. But I still sleep on a my pillow every night at home. But he's going bankrupt. People went to prison and are still there. Jason Miller tells under oath the January 6th commission, current senior advisor to candidate Donald Trump, that they all knew Trump lost and told them that. And now true the vote says we have no evidence. Todd, I want you to contact them and try to get them back on the show. Okay. My guess is they won't do it, but I want answers to this. I put them on the show. I gave them a platform. I bought into it and by extension sold it to this audience. We need some answers to this. And we've said here for the last four years, and every time there's another loss, like the special election in New York 3 the other night, a bunch of you text me or email me, tweet me, well, it's their ballot harvesting scheme. What's been done? What has the Trump operation done for the last four years of preparation to counter that? I'll answer it for you. Nothing. Nothing. What has happened is true the vote told the Georgia court it has no evidence. Jason Smith told the January 6th commission also under oath they knew he lost and told him that. Mike Lindell has nearly gone bankrupt producing nothing. Nothing. I'm I'm very I'm just People are in prison for this. Prison. People's lives are over for this. People have had their lives destroyed for this. People whose lives may never recover from this. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, this is all the more upsetting based on what you just said about the Chiefs game. Act. Well, if we are fed lies, you've, you've talked about this for a while. It's We used to at least know what the news was, and then we argued about the right way to handle it. Now we don't even know what's true. And if there's one excuse that people can have for maybe not acting, it's like, I, I don't know what's real anymore. So that's something else. As it applies to the – I never saw 2,000 Mules, but I watched all the promo stuff. If, is my memory – I mean, didn't they actually show – what was purported to be the proof, actual video of late night drops with timestamps? Yes. Yes. But what they're what they're telling the Georgia judge is they also have no chain of custody to to prove that those people were acting illegally. They can't prove who they were. They, they have no source of their claims. They're just saying, hey, we have video of this and it looks suspicious. So let's do a, a, a movie claiming it was a crime. And then when they were sh- said, hey, where's the evidence that it was a crime and didn't just look weird? They had no evidence. That makes sense. They have no evidence. Okay. I mean, we're, we, here's what we can't do, Aaron. We can't gaslight our own people, okay? This is the thing about this era that bothers me greatly. You want to tell me, hey, Trump's lying to the media, Trump's lying to them, and they lie to us, so I don't care. Have we ever done a single damn show virtue signaling about that in all the years you guys have worked here in the Trump era? No. Do I, give a, I don't give a rip how many times Donald Trump lies to some hacktastic, you know, uh, hack at CNN. I don't care. Okay. You cannot do this to us though. We cannot gaslight our own people, Aaron. We can't do that. In a battle between chaos and chaos, who comes out on top? Depends on where that chaos, the source of that chaos is coming from. 
well, there's only there's actually only one source. <laughs> and I've battled between chaos versus chaos. The devil always wins. This is what I have been continuing to harp on about the rise of the godless right. There is apparently less and less of an appetite for, as Todd was talking about, finding out what is truly re real. Instead, we just stick to the narrative that we prefer. Apparently. That is chaos. It is fundamentally unmoored from anything good, true, and beautiful, and immovable truths of, of eternity. This is, this is what the outcome of that is. The new right, the alternative right, whatever you want to call it, that says we can beat back the forces of DEI and woke and the demonic groomers, but we're going to do it through hmm, human philosophy, vain, vain teaching. That's not going to work. And this is just an outcrop of that. At the end of the day, I, I'm not really sure how you turn that around other than revival. I don't think there is another way. And it's, it's becoming increasingly apparent that our, our side believes that d despite the lies, despite the unsurety about what's actually going on in the world, our chaos can beat their chaos. Yeah. No. Yeah. I can promise you there's no winners in a fight between aristocrats and Rovisphere. No winners. Only losers in that fight. Every time we play it out. Every time. More in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Nate Show. I am in Missouri. Spoke at a pastor's breakfast here this morning. Todd and Aaron are back in our nice, posh, blaze, uh, uniformed studios there in West Des Moines. And if you are looking uh, to, to get out and about, uh, you need to relocate, you need to move. I know it's not the greatest market for it, which makes it even more important that you have a real estate agent you can trust and we can help guide you to one of those and the name of the website kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. This was a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates because they ran into real estate agents. They found out the hard way they couldn't trust. So they thought, hey, why don't we put together our own referral service? Turns out there's a lot of great ones right here in this audience. Chances are you'll get hooked up with an agent who is a Blaze follower just like you. So, you know, you've got a common value system. We're talking about people with proven track records of success, top sellers in their markets. So if you just need to move to a different part of town or to a totally new town, realestateagentsitrust.com is where you want to go. It's even more important now than ever before, given the difficulty of the housing market that we currently have, worse since 2008. So make sure you can navigate it with an agent you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. He is a retired Border Patrol agent. Chris Harris is his name. He joins us today here on The Blaze. Chris, thank you for your service, first and foremost, brother. It's a pleasure to have you with us. How are you? I'm doing well, Steve. Thank you for having me on, and thank you for those kind words. You bet. And it's and it's earned. Give us kind of your rundown track record, your experience, how long you served and where on the border, Chris. 
well, I started before I started the Border Patrol. I was a, uh, a police officer in New York. Uh, then I became a Border Patrol agent, a federal agent with the Border Patrol. Uh, I spent total 36 years in law enforcement, uh, over 21 on the southwest border with the U.S. Border Patrol, um, mostly San Diego sector. That was where I was assigned, Imperial Beach Border Patrol Station. Um, but I also worked in um, Campo, uh, California, El Centro, California, Ajo, Douglas, um, uh, Ajo, Arizona, Douglas, Arizona. Um, I was also a, a, a labor official, union official for uh, National Border Patrol Council, a local 1613 uh, legislative and political affairs was my main uh, my main uh, thing that I did. Let's start with your experience of where things were when you were active on the border and where things are now. How much so truth I, I, are the American people being told right now, Chris? Um, this is probably the most opaque administration I've ever seen. Uh, I, I wanted to be supportive. I'm a supporter of the office of the president. Um, I've gone from thinking that this was just ignorance and naivete to that this is being done with malice of forethought. Uh, the border is the worst it's ever been, ever. I, I worked under several administrations. Um, I don't like President Trump. I'm going to say that right now. I don't like him. I, I don't think I'd like him to date my daughter. But I support what he did. I judge him by what he did. And under him, when he listened to the National Border Patrol Council, and he told us, I'm going to consider you guys the subject matter experts, not some La Raza attorney, not some Harvard professor, you guys. So when I want to know how to secure the border, I'm going to come to you. And he listened to us. And he, he gave us what we needed. So under Trump, the last two years of his, his presidency, the border was probably the most secure it's ever been. And that's through several different policies and, and things that he did. Uh, and then day one, President Biden undid that. Um, and, and this president in this administration says, oh, we need new laws to fix this. No, just undo what you did, because we know it works. It's not one of these things like, well, I'm not sure it works. We know it works to secure the border. And, and we can talk about that a little later. But Trump gave us that. Biden, for whatever reason, undid it. And that's why you have total chaos on the border now. Um, our manpower is down several thousand below its statutory uh, minimum. Uh, the morale is at the rock bottom. People are just resigning. They're not even waiting to retire uh, or they're retiring as soon as they can. Um, so, yeah, the, the border is chaotic. The numbers are incredible. They're staggering. And there's some scary stuff going on that I don't think the legacy media is talking about at all. You just addressed this, but I want to make sure to hammer this point home before we move on, Chris. What is the benign, innocent explanation for what is being permitted by this administration on our southern border? What is it? I, I don't think there is one anymore. Again, I, I, I hate to say this, and, I, and I've said many a time that the border and security issues should be not bipartisan, should be nonpartisan. And actually, several years ago, it was. I could talk to Democratic senators, and they would say, Chris, we know we have to uh, secure the border. We know we have to deport criminal aliens. And that's gone to a large extent now. Uh, and I differentiate between the left and liberals. And I, I see that it looks like the progressive left has pretty much taken over uh, the border agenda. And so I now think that, again, and I'm going to use the words malice of forethought, I truly believe that there are people that want to knock this country down to a second world power, uh, to a second rate nation. Uh, maybe not third world, but second world. Uh, there's an agenda. I truly think there's a lot of people have it. Um, there might be a confluence of different agendas, but the border now is is basically unsecured. I think a great example of what you're addressing was uh, last year when RFK Jr. went down to the border. 
I mean, I mean, he he went down there thinking he as a classical liberal, I'm going to come up with some kind of compromised approach, and the extremes of both sides are way overreacting to this. And he goes down there, and he can't believe that he's talking to people from the Sudan, from China, uh, from the Middle East, and he's like, wait a minute, I I I was sold a narrative that everybody coming over the border here just wants to pick grapes at the Che Guevara ranch. All right. They're just trying to escape Honduras. Good Catholic people trying to get away from, you know, bankrupt Latin American countries. And he's meeting a bunch of people that have no business just moseying along the Rio Grande. And now he's out there talking about shutting the border down and building walls. Okay, that's kind of an example of what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. And and I wish more people would be like that, uh, whatever their 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 political stances are on things. Um, right now, the C- Customs and Border Protection will tell you that we're seeing around people from about 170 different nations around the world are coming here, um, either just jumping the fence or claiming asylum. And, and the asylum is, is a great system. Nobody wants to see it go away. It is the last beacon of hope for some people. It was basically made, though, created by Congress to address genocide against people. Uh, I'll, I'll use an example. I dated a girl after my, my first wife, unfortunately, passed away. Um, she was from Cambodia. They had to escape Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge, uh, the killing fields. That was real asylum, and it took them two years to get here. They lived in refugee camps in, in Thailand and in the Philippines. That's real asylum. So you're having people coming from 170 countries around the world claiming asylum. And, and we know most of these claims are, are, are bogus. Uh, the cartels, the smuggling organizations give them a script depending on what part of the world they're from. And I'll give you an example of that, Steve. So this is firsthand knowledge because I arrested the guy. He was a Chinese national <clears throat> from Fujian province. And he claimed that he was coming here for asylum because he was a Christian. Now, we do know in China, they do, they do treat their, their Christians horribly. But through an interview, uh, an interpreter, when I was interviewing him, I asked him, well, tell me about Jesus Christ. Tell me about Christianity. And I'm a Christian. I'm not a good one. I need to work on it. But I know the central tenets of my faith. So I said, tell me about Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and he kind of looked at me and said, uh, he was a friend of Buddha's. Well, they lived about a thousand years apart. JC and Buddha were not cracking beers together. So the guy's lying. And we see this over and over again. Under Trump, we did the Remain in, in Mexico uh, program, basically the Migrant Protection Protocols, where you waited in Mexico. You're safe. You said that you had to come from Nepal because it was unsafe. You're in Mexico. You're safe, uh, relatively, compared to what you're saying you're escaping. And you waited your turn for asylum hearing. And when he instituted that program, the numbers dropped by like 80, 90 percent. And so we knew what they were doing. We knew how they were scamming us. But right now, there's people from over 170 nations that are claiming asylum. I saw people the other day at the border from Costa Rica. Costa Rica is a place where Americans, Canadians expat themselves to because it's so safe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's friendly. And so when you're coming from Costa Rica, you're claiming you're from Costa Rica. What's really going on? <clears throat> and so we're seeing that over and over again. And that is one of the biggest issues on the border is people just step one foot on the U.S. They claim asylum. They're released pending some far in the future nebulous court date that they won't show up for. The GAO did a study several years ago that 80% to 90% won't show up. Now the left will tell you 90% of asylum seekers at their hearings get asylum. Yeah, because those people went to the asylum hearing knowing that they have a real case. So yeah, out of the 10% that do show up, 90% will get, but 90% won't show up at all. And so they're just wandering around this country. We don't really know who they are because we fingerprint them and take their photos. That doesn't tell us anything. If we're not hooked up to their system in their country, which we're not, it doesn't tell us anything. It, it, mm-hmm. it comes back non-derogatory. So I can give an example where we had a guy from um, from El Salvador 
Um, and he, he we interviewed him in Spanish and everything came back negative, no derogatory information coming back. They're going to walk him out the door with an NTA notice to appear. And on the way out, <clears throat> for whatever reason, he said, oh, I thought those five murders were going to cause me some grief. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's come back inside and talk some more. They had to go through the uh, El Salvadorian consulate and find out he had five homicides. And we're going to let him walk out the door. So the system wow. isn't really vetting people as, as, as the left would have you believe. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I pointed out to our audience last year, Chris, since 9-11, we have imported about two and a half million people from, from countries that are dominated by um, radical Islamist ideology. And, it, 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 and if you if you looked at if you if you compared that population, it would be like the 38th most populous state in the union. Those amount of people. And I and I, I pointed out to our audience, let's assume we vetted all those people. We didn't. But let's assume we did. And then let's assume that we have a 99 percent hit rate. We wouldn't because that's impossible. But let's assume we did. All right. That that one percent would be. Uh, would be 26,000 people. It only took 20 people to pull off a 9-11. So 26,000, that's 26,000 potential sleeper agents just strewn throughout the, the fruited plain that could be activated at any point in time. And that's, and that's with a process that we were legitimizing through legal immigration. What, what, what are we letting through right now via the cartels, via the open border we have on, on our southern border right now? What's coming across? So, I mean, I saw a group a while ago, and, and, and this should scare people. There was 30 of them. And they're not trying to get away from us. They just gave up to the two agents that were in that area. And they were had them sitting on the ground waiting for transport. Uh, they were from Mali, Malawi, uh, Senegal, the Congo. They were from um, uh, Guatemala, from El Salvador, from Brazil, from Venezuela, from Cuba. And there were three interesting ones, <clears throat> and they were well-dressed. It was two women and a man. Uh, the man was what we call military age. He had a crew cut, was pretty buff. Um, they were from Russia. We're almost in a shooting war with Russia. Uh, does anybody know the name Spetsnaz? I mean, and, and you know, the former KGB, I forget the name of it now, RSV or whatever, but these are people we're gonna release into our country. And, and the Chinese nationals that we're releasing, um, we know for a fact that Hezbollah and Hamas have training camps in, in Mexico. Uh, we've had a gentleman's agreement with them for years that they don't screw with us, we don't screw with them. But we know they have training camps down there. Uh, several years ago in California, in Southern California, a, a transformer substation was shot at, I believe, four times. Uh, key components were hit. Now, what they put out to the press and the press gleefully ran with was there was probably some drunk, redneck Yahoo shooting, just shooting things up. But we know in Intel, <clears throat> intelligence community in our agency, that this was done deliberately. There were four crucial points that were shot, that the person was there for a while. And we believe truly that it was a warning notice to the US government, because it shut down the power grid in Southern California for like over a day, um, that it was a warning notice. And, and not sure what was going on internationally at the time, but it was it was a, a, a shot across the bow. And, and so you think about the thousands of people that could be fifth columnists here, that, that could be activated. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we know, and in, in the intelligence companies community knows in China, that these people are here, some of them specifically, if we ever go to war with China over Taiwan, they're gonna start taking down our infrastructure. This should terrify people. Um, when the first, car, uh, when the first um, caravan started coming up in 2018, our Intel people did a fantastic job and they found out that it was funded and directed by a couple different groups, George Soros groups for one, 
but also by Venezuelan intelligence, which by extension means Cuban intelligence, which means Russian intelligence. There are nation states out there and actors out there that want to see our country done harm to. They want to see us, our capabilities degraded. Um, they, they have a lot of reasons to. You know, they don't like us. Russia doesn't. China doesn't. North Korea doesn't. Iran doesn't. Uh, these, these nation states will, will do things like this, uh, including fentanyl, opioids and stuff. Anything that degrades the fabric of our society is a win for them. Uh, mm -hmm. Plus, they make money with the cartels. So these mm -hmm. people, I think, truly have have want bad things to happen to this country. <clears throat> All right, Chris, before I let you go, let's say Joe Biden still remembers how to make a phone call. And he calls you up, Chris, and he says, Chris, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Everything you tell me we need to do at the border in the next 30 seconds, I promise you, you will do, but you've only got 30 seconds. What do you tell him, Chris? So that's easy enough. So the first thing is we need to get back to the migrant protection protocols with Mexico. Uh, use the carrot and stick approach that Trump used and get them to start accepting, to hold on to these asylum seekers. Plus they'll let a lot less into their country. So we need the migrant protection protocols back. We do need more infrastructure. You, you need infrastructure on the border. That's the fencing and roadways that go with it. We need more infrastructure. Finish what you started. Uh, we need more boots on the ground. We, we definitely do. We're 3,000 or so or more below our statutory minimum. These guys got to feel like they're not part of the smuggling organizations, Mr. President. These guys actually feel like they're part of the smuggling organization now. So you got to stop that, build up the morale, build up the numbers, better technology. Uh, we need to let ICE start doing its job again. Um, so you do those things and we stop stop funding the UN, which is funding a lot of this migrant uh, migration. You do those things and you can go back to controlling the border and keeping this country and, and more importantly, the people therein much more safe. Chris, again, thank you for your service, brother, and appreciate uh, your testimony here on the show today. Very valuable. Thanks for your time. God bless. Thank you, my friend. Take care. You bet. Todd and Aaron, your thoughts on that conversation? Uh, the the truth behind all this, when you that testimony reminds me all of all the testimony you and Daniel collected for Rise of the Fourth Reich. I mean, nothing. It's a it's an equally great crime. And nothing short of gallows should be put up for those who have simply allowed. Again, not, it's this is not your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Flat out multinational criminals from across the world who hate us. Somebody needs to pay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I go back to that uh, illegal. I, I think he was from Azerbaijan. Uh, he was caught. Um, on video a few weeks ago saying, uh, you're stupid, you don't know who I am, but you will know who I am. He had been in prison, I believe, for arms smuggling and dealing. And these are the type of people who most of the time, oh, yeah, come on, come right in. I, there is, I just keep thinking back to your prediction at the beginning of the year, Steve. The Black Swan About event. a Black Swan event. Yeah, we're bowling for Black Swan right now. That's what we're doing. That's just the reality. It has to stop. It is absolutely. Uh, what did our colleague Rob? You know, he dropped this uh, term at one point. I can't remember what the topic was. It's not insane. It's unsane. It's yeah. a lack of sanity. It's the opposite of sanity. We have breaking news, by the way. We do know more about the Kansas City. Chiefs celebration shooters will tell you about that when we return and have Theology Thursday as well. Stay tuned.
Holloway back here with our two live and on hand on radio and podcast. I'm in Missouri uh, speaking uh, to, earlier today at a breakfast for pastors, speaking at another uh, pro-life event here tonight. Uh, Todd and Aaron are back there in Des Moines. I'll be here tomorrow, too, because the event tonight won't end in time for me to drive back tonight. So I'll head back after tomorrow's show uh, when we do, at least I do my portion uh, here remotely. Again, want to thank everybody at Learfield for making this happen for us today and tomorrow. They did a great job setting up and we're more than accommodating. Appreciate them greatly. Appreciate all of you too. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing us steve at stevedace.com D-E-A-C-E Like us on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter. Get our Instagram and TikTok. And you can also, if you're a podcast listener and wouldn't mind, leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, follow. That way, every time we do a new episode, it'll show up in your feed every single time. And thanks to all of you that have done that for the program as well. Want to thank our friends over at Trust and Will. You know, Amy and I figured, you know, after about 10 years, we should maybe update our estate plan situation And, you know, making an estate plan can mean uh, gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones with trust and will. That's what we used. You can manage and create a custom estate plan starting as low as $159. Just go to trustandwill.com slash dace, trustandwill.com slash dace. You'll get 10% off plus free document shipping. They did a phenomenal job for us, and it wasn't cookie cutter. They allowed us to customize it to our current situation as well. So get started today, 10% off plus free shipping of your estate planning documents by visiting trust and, the the word and, trustandwill.com slash dace. That's trustandwill.com slash dace. All right, gentlemen, I mentioned there's some breaking news Uh, The Kansas City Police Department just held a press conference while we were talking uh, to the retired border agent in the last segment. Um, What they're saying about the shooters now, uh, two of them are juveniles. They're still not saying there's a motive, but it it certainly is looking more and more like we're talking about some form of uh, thug or gang violence here, uh, some kind of beef or dispute, and it kind of ran amok. That appears to be what uh, was the motivation or the cause of uh, the shooting tragedy at the Chiefs Super Bowl celebration yesterday. Thoughts? I understand that gangs are not the brightest bulbs in the batch. I can't imagine how even amongst gang members, this is what we're maybe talking about here, they thought that that was a great venue to hash out their differences. Okay, Uh, that's my initial reaction. Todd, you buying it? Well, if the video that I'd seen previously of who, the, it, it's certainly uh, tenable. And if what's uh, passed this pro lob in New York where you can beat police officers uh, and be uh, released again, and one of them was just arrested again, uh, you know, that. We're going to have no idea what level of justice is meted out for them. Or if we do, it's going to be have nothing to do with actual justice. All right, let's get to Theology Thursday. We are doing the Bible study that Dr. Jeremiah Johnston and I put together, inspired by our film Nefarious. It's called Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study. It's based on spiritual warfare. 
and what that looks like. And we're at session five now. Know how to fight evil. And we've done these every week, assuming you've watched the video. And if you bought the book, you have the code. If you go to Amazon and buy Know Thy Enemy, you get the code to see the videos. We don't have time to play them during the show because that would be much of the segment here and not leave us a lot of time for discussion. So we're assuming you've seen the 15-minute video every week. And that's where we pick up the conversation from there. Todd and Aaron, you lead us off with what in the video stood out to you that you think we should discuss further. You know... The, like, the providential timing that we talk about on what we end up talking about that show on the show without having uh, a clear understanding of what events are going to take place. When, when uh, I'm pretty sure you didn't look when you timed this, uh, when this particular part five was going to come out in relation to Ash Wednesday. Because, man, Ash Wednesday uh, yesterday and the the part of the, the the movie clip in the video when nefarious just flat out says and you guys talk about it further just admits the cross was our biggest mistake because mm. yesterday uh at um ash wednesday uh, uh service father pj said what is noticeable if you go ash wednesday services Again, within Catholic teaching, it's not an actual holy day of obligation, but it's it's always full, in my experience, no matter where I've been. And it was full again yesterday. It was like Christmas or Easter. And he said, I, that's what's, he said, that's what's amazing about our faith. There's, I can't point over to the, the pretty lights and the Christmas tree and the baby Jesus uh, in the manger and every, anything like that. You're coming here. And this is, I, I'm, I'll do a rough paraphrase of what I said, but it's, he actually used the term hell. He says, you're coming here and we're saying, and the whole point of this thing, you're a bad person and you deserve hell. And you come every year like this. That embodies what Nefarious was saying about why the cross was our biggest mistake, because God took evil and used it for good. There are, you know, there are people, there's just clearly people that when Ash Wednesday rolls around every year, whatever Christianity uh, is alive in them, this, the, the cross fills it. That, and to your point, Steve, about what you've talked about uh, very, very recently, and just as recently as yesterday, it, it is what we keep pulling our punches. Just let the lion out of its cage. Don't be, you, you and Pastor Jeremiah, stop being nicer than God. When you give them the real thing, Ash Wednesday, people want it. They want to understand their brokenness because they want the answer for how to escape it. And there at the end uh, when, uh, of the, 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 the uh, movie clip where he tells James, Nefarious tells James, it's not that uh, Jesus believed that uh, the devil didn't have the power to give all the riches of the world. It's that he didn't accept the offer. The problem here, it's been reversed, which is why we are so broken and so lost. We always accept the offer, but we don't know who has the power to give it. We think we've done all this ourselves. Look at this grand Rube Goldberg machine we've constructed. Look at all our comfort and riches. James says as much in the clip we have already discussed. Look how progressive we are. 
But if we don't understand how the devil works us over, we don't know that he has us right where he wants us. Book of Acts talks about in the first four chapters the opposite. We, they, gave, they willingly gave all their stuff to others. The difference between the modern day church and its total lack of self-awareness of the dark one and the early church about when it was filled with the Holy Spirit, what it's supposed to look like night and day. You know, That's a good word. Aaron, through the through the you know, uh, actual study, uh, there's a large emphasis on the armor of God. And a question is asked, you know, what what piece of this armor sticks out to you? And there is one that that I'll, I'll talk about in passing, but always sticks out to me. And we've talked about this multiple times. Most people on this program have probably heard of this as well. Talking about Paul. Paul says to put on the armor of God. It would be beneficial to probably read that uh, as I find it here. Ephesians. Uh, no, it's not Ephesians. Sorry. We find it here. Putting on the full armor of God. Sorry, this is great television here. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We've talked about what's not listed there. What always stands out to me is what's not listed there. There's no, there's no armor protecting your back. Mm-hmm. Also, there's no put on the cloak of invisibility so that you can avoid <laughs> avoid uh, trials you know uh take uh, with you the um the orb of uh tele uh, uh, teleportation so that you can just hit the eject button when things get tough no do any of these do any of these pieces of armor save you from battle no do they save you from getting hit? No, but they do protect you. And so the one that stands out to me the most is the helmet of salvation, or referred to elsewhere, the helmet of the hope of salvation. Because at the end of the day, no matter what we see in our world going on in our world, no matter what's going on in our own lives, no matter what, what trials we face, what battles we're going through, that helmet's not going to save you from that battle. Mm-hmm. It's going to see you through that battle. Mm-hmm. And that helmet is the hope of your salvation. That should always be the driving force. Always be the driving force. And always be your roots every single day. That no matter what's going on in your life. And we hear regularly on Feedback Friday just incredible trials in our own audience my heart breaks for people whether it's whether it's from the jab mandate whether it's from broken families my my heart breaks for them but you know what i hear a lot in those emails the helmet of the hope of salvation that even so even so things in this temporal world are this way i know i know where my where my true fate lies and that's with him because of what he did for me. That's the impetus. That is the motive. That is the grounding as well 
for making it through the trials and the battles of life. I want to, that's a good word too. I, I want to go to this part of Jeremiah and I's book because it ties back into uh, my book that started all of this, A Nefarious Plot. Uh, we write, therefore, uh, St. Paul called us to be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Our own strength is insufficient. This call to embrace the strength God gives echoes his words to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. We too must embrace the same, that same trust in God's strength if we hope to live the Christian life victoriously. But we're not in a battle to gain victory. Listen to this. We're not in a battle to gain victory. We're strengthened in the Lord and we engage in spiritual warfare from a position of victory. The victory over Satan was won on the cross, which goes back to the line from the film that Todd cited. The victory over Satan has, was won at the cross. Still, though, Christ has defeated our enemy. Defeated enemies don't always give up easily. When an enemy has nothing more to lose, he can attack with greater intensity. That harkens back to the book, A Nefarious Plot. And, and when I wrote the original book, my desire... I've talked many times about emulating uh, as an homage uh, C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. I've another book that's a, a, another homage to Lewis's great work. Um, Randy Alcorn wrote a book set about 20 years ago called Lord Falgren, Falgren, Lord Falgren's Letters, which is was his homage to Screwtape and uh, borrows the um, uh, heavily from the same uh, st structure that Lewis went with. So both of those books helped inspire me here. There's another writing, too, and that's Paradise Lost by Milton. And one of the things that Milton tried to do is provide some context to the biblical narrative, things that may or may not be specifically in the Bible, but could very well, provided they're not sacrilegious, help us to, to understand the overall narrative of the scriptures without not necessarily being inspired themselves. I tried to borrow from that, too. And I, I, I wanted to use the scriptures to inspire me to answer some questions that I think a lot of people have. Questions like, if the devil knows scripture and knows that he loses, then why does he keep doing this? What, that, what, what sense would that make? I mean, for most of us, particularly guys, the idea of fighting a battle that you know going in or are convinced already of the fact you won't win seems like a a vain exercise. I mean, especially for men, we live in a fight or flight dynamic. We will fight if we think we can win, we'll run if we think we can't. And um and so it's hard for us to compute the enemy knowing scripture even better than we do, knows he loses and just keeps going. Well, They've redefined what winning looks like. I don't believe hell truly thinks it is going to conquer heaven. It tried that once. Satan was cast out and a third of the angels with him. What, what I think this is an attempt is what is written here. 
When an enemy has nothing more to lose, he can attack with greater intensity. This is about vengeance. This is, and I've, I've cited this many times, I think the most biblical presentation of the devil that's ever been done in a film is Heath Ledger's Joker, which is why I used it to help inspire some of the caricature for Nefarious I created. He says, I'm an agent of chaos. Do I look like a guy with a plan? What have I been saying a lot recently? What's scarier than a cabal, a small hidden cabal of insider elites secretly running the country, the world, despite what you're trying to do in your own country? Scarier than that? Nobody's in charge. Chaos. That's scarier than that. The enemy is an agent of chaos. This is to cause carnage. The Joker has no plan at the end of the dark night. He has a goal. That's not the same as a plan. His goal, by any means necessary, is to convince Batman, in this case almost like a Christological stand-in, if you will, that he is sacrificing himself for nothing. They're not worth it. It's pointless. Look, we've got two boats here on one boat, the good people on another boat, the bad people. Now, right away, there's a fallacy there. There's only bad people. No one's good. No one's good, but God, there's only bad people. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're already in a fallacy here, but the enemy operates. Fallacies are part of his native tongue, but the good people are on one ferry. The bad people are on the other ferry. And it's a test of ethics. Make the decision. Which group do you feel entitled that you get to mass murder? And then, hey, I hand them each the trigger. I step back. I wash my hands of the matter. I wait for them to blow each other up. And then I go to Batman and say, see, I told you. Why are you trying to help these people as an accuser? That is an absolute satanic construct. That is abs absolutely what the enemy does with us every day. Tempts us into that which makes us fall. We succumb. And then he goes, he goes to our Lord and says, you did this for nothing. Why, why do you do this? These people aren't worth it. These meat bags are a waste of your time. That's what happened at the garden. The serpent comes, tests Eve, and then Adam. And the way I depicted that in Nefarious, in the book, a Nefarious Plot, is from Hell's perspective, he's a whistleblower. He's the hero. He's a, he's a freedom fighter. He's on the side of light, showing God that he made a mistake. Should have never made humans. But then God sent them a redeemer. The son of the woman who would crush the serpent's head with his heel. Nefarious says the cross was our greatest mistake. We thought we had won. But as we write here in the book, they lost forever. So there's nothing left to do now other than carnage, other than chaos. There isn't a plan. There's just a goal. 
And the goal is to destroy as many of our families as possible. The goal is to destroy as many truths as possible. As much beauty as possible. As much good as possible. Sure, as Nefarious points out, maybe they have some residual hope that our Heavenly Father will finally come to his senses and say, you know what? I should have listened to you, my firstborn, all along. This young, These young kids today, they'll be the death of us and smite us off the earth. But more than likely, they know that's not going to happen. And so the goal until the end, pain. To cause as much pain but not necessarily to cause it to us, but to use the, the pain the pain they cause us to hurt him. Because he loves us. That's the plan, that there isn't one. There's just a goal. Destruction for the sake of destruction. Chaos for the sake of chaos. And that's what we mean when we say when an enemy has nothing more to lose, he can even attack with greater intensity. If the enemy believed that the kingdoms of this world that to some extent are permitted within his dominion were to be eternally so, there would not be nearly as much destruction under his wake. He'd want to make sure there's something worthy of ruling. But he knows that's not the case. He knows this world and everything in it will all pass away. So meter's running. The clock is ticking. There's body bags to accrue, carnage to create, chaos to ensue, and there's only so much time. And that is why he is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Gentlemen, thoughts on that? Well, so he knows the truth, but it's not enough. This Again, going back to this is very much an issue of the Holy Spirit. He knew the truth. People, Steve's right up before you know, that the devil knows more Bible verses uh, than uh, your average Christian. No, knows the truth. But if you do not have the Spirit, you will... Not only will you just ignore it, you'll, you'll actually come to resent it. You'll actually come to hate it. Knowing the truth is, this is one of the, I mentioned this last week, this is one of the, this was the fatal flaw of, of the Greeks at the height of the, uh, their powers. Plato, uh, Socrates, uh, just, I mean, bringing truth is searching for it, earnestly trying to, uh, to find it. But uh, Plato and Socrates' fatal belief is that if you knew the truth, you couldn't but not do it. Oh, well, 400 years ago, the Lord came along because that's not true. And he gave us the spirit because it's not simply a matter of faith, knowing the truth. But what after that? And in, in the three holy virtues, the cardinal virtues, faith, hope, and love. Hope is what faith aspires to. Love, act, 
act, act, charity, another word for love. Now think of your average Christian. When they think of that difference between victory already had, as Steve laid out, or a loss to anticipate, do they act more like God or do they act more like the devil? Because, I th because the things that they count as loss, well, not unimportant as a man you'd provide for, defend, things like, things like that, but losing your job, being called a bad name, are, are, are any of these associated with not getting into heaven? No. In, in fact, quite the opposite. Yet we keep thinking of what we resent the loss instead of being honored to be part of the tribe of the victory already gained. And again, that's a Holy Spirit thing. We may claim to know the truth. We may be able to check all the boxes of the creed. But again, going back to what Steve talked about in a totally different context about what happened at a Kansas City Chiefs games, does it cause you to act? Or does it cause you to slink? And the whole ball game is figuring out which. Hmm. God is holy. The devil is a liar. And I think you, you look across any, any moment of, of any of your existence, any, any news story that breaks, any, anything that happens in our life is an affirmation of one or both of those truths. The outcome of sin, like you just talked about, Todd, the shooting there. The devil's a liar. Uh, the birth of a new baby. Like I, like, uh, like my sister-in-law had at 3.30 this morning. Oh. Um, God is holy, and out of that holiness is goodness. Everywhere you look is an affirmation of one of those two truths about the cosmos. God is holy. The devil is a liar. So what do we do? What then do we do as, as believers with that? as uh, as our backdrop it is going and making this full circle it's putting on the full armor of god because of the truth that the devil is a liar there's going to be trials in your life there are going to be battles in your life every single day but god is holy and out of that holiness is his goodness and his, he has equipped you with the tools of the trade necessary to go through not from but through those battles and through those trials Amen. At the end of this chapter, we lay out some very practical ways you can live this out. Um, a prayer life, having a life of prayer. Um, just a willingness to stand. Again, you know, Alfred says to Bruce Wayne, when, when Bruce Wayne has to confront the fact that there are some forces in this world that cannot be reasoned with. They just want to watch the world burn. And he asked Alfred, what would you have me do? Endure was his answer. That's the same thing here. Finish the race. You know, when I, uh, when I, I do appearances and people ask me to sign things for them personally, I'll often include finish the race. doesn't matter what place you're in. It matters that you finish the race, finish the race. So be willing to stand, uh, be willing to stand together. You know, the triple braided cord is tougher to break where two or more are gathered in my name. You guys, if you're a believer, you've heard these verses before. If you're, even if you're not one, you've probably heard some of these Bible verses before. 
But, uh, you know, uh, several of you over the last few years have asked me, you know, I want to I want to take a stand in my company. I want to take a stand in my school district. What do you suggest I do? First thing I always suggest to you, find other people in your company who agree with you. Find other people in the other parents in the district who agree with you. Gather together. Yeah. Sometimes you can you can be sometimes you can be, you know, one one Elijah on a chariot of fire. Sometimes you can do that. But we're human beings. You know, and so unless you have a that level of anointing of the Holy Spirit, hard to do that. Elijah had it, by the way. It was hard for him. He battled fits of depression. So um, stand together. Have each other's backs. You know, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. You know, so get people around you that agree with you. Stand together. And then, you know, repeat step one. But now you're praying together. So you can pray as an individual. You can stand as an individual. And then you can stand together with people who share your convictions. And you can pray together. Those are four very applicable steps. They're not, there's more, a whole books of it written on this topic. But those are very four basic applicable steps that we could all do to at least get us started. Excellent conversation, gentlemen. When we come back, it'll be time for three non-political questions. Stay tuned. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. I am here in Missouri. Todd and Aaron are back there in Des Moines. Uh, don't forget about our friends over at Patriot Mobile. They have been on the cutting edge of the parallel economy. And unfortunately, we don't have a well-developed parallel economy yet. Fortunately, one of the places where we do is with a product we all use and need in this day and age. That's a mobile phone. And Par Patriot Mobile can provide that for you with their 100% U.S.-based customer service team. That means you can understand them when they talk. That helps. But they also are great. Used them many times myself. I've heard from so many of you that have heard that have had great experiences with their customer service team as well. When you make the switch to Patriot Mobile, they'll get you hooked up with any of the major networks you want. You can switch anytime you need to for any reason, free of charge. If you're a veteran or first responder, you want to make the switch today, let them know when you call in. They have extra ways of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us, you get a free activation with the offer code Steve. When you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Again, use my name, Steve, to get a free activation. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. If you want to keep your phone, upgrade your phone, change numbers, keep the same number, they'll customize it for you and your family. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. And with that, it is time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. And look who is in a seat where she does not belong, at least not yet. I keep telling you, the day is coming you will sit in that seat there, princess, but that day is not quite here. But you know what? 
not just how great you are, but you're bringing me a granddaughter in a couple of weeks, so I will allow it. How are you doing, you. sweetheart? Good. Doing good. Um, Steven and I found ourselves kind of bored last night, so we started screening kids shows for Autumn, and I find myself <laughs> becoming more and more like you every single day. So essentially, Autumn is not watching anything that was made before 2010. Is that basically what you're telling <laughs> yeah. us? Yeah. I, I, like yeah. one of the... One of the scenes, these two parents started contradicting each other in front of their kids. And Stephen and I are like, no, we are not doing this. Like, they have to be on the same front. We're turning things off, getting upset. But so that was, and then I just kind of sat back. I feel like every, like, 20-year-old has that moment where they realize they're becoming their parent. So is this like the progressive insurance commercials? Where they become like their parents, and once they buy their first house, have you seen those ads? Yeah. That that ad campaign is tremendous. It's hilarious. I did I feel like that. I laugh out loud. Yeah. I did feel like that. Or the or if the dad was an idiot. I remember when you would turn our shows off when we were kids, and we yes. would be so mad. But now I was like, that's so dumb. That's the leader of their home. We're not gonna have this be her show. And it was just a moment. Now you're doing it. Now, now I'm you're doing it. doing it. Yeah, what was the one Disney show, the one gal who is in Lemonade Mouth that I thought had the great singing voice? Good luck, Charlie. Family. Yes. And we watched the first episode together, and the dad was an, was an idiot. What did I say? Never again. Nope. I do remember that. And I we found ourselves watching shows and doing that as well and everything. So, Or just turning them off. They were annoying. And we were like, we don't want her to watch this at all. See, Todd and Aaron, this is what you guys have soon to look forward to. And Todd, you sooner than Aaron. When the time comes that your kids come back to you and they're like, man, you were right. That it, takes a, it takes a while, but they eventually do come back to you and say things like that. You just witnessed it right here on the air, live. Mark Anna, do tape. you have any strong thoughts about plastic fake grass in yes. Easter baskets? Do I have strong <laughs> thoughts on that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any strong thoughts. Wow. Yet. Yet. <laughs> Anna, how many Easter baskets did you get as a little girl with that plastic fake grass? I don't remember getting any Easter baskets with yeah. that. Yeah. How about with peeps in them? I don't remember getting any with peeps in them either. See? You know why? Because I'm a good dad. <laughs> like, That's why. I feel like I missed something, so I'm happy I answered correctly on that. You did, you. and it was hopelessly <laughs> neurotic, and it's probably for the best. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tune into yesterday's show and you'll know what they what they're talking about. All right, you've got you've got three non-political questions for us, sweetie. Go ahead. So my first question is more of a of a personal question because I'm curious to see what you guys think. Is Stephen and I mostly Stephen enjoys watching a lot of the conservative content where they debate like a hardcore liberal where they go back and forth or the jubilee content where they'll do a prompt and then have them come up for for it if they agree on it like yesterday he was wanting me to watch one where it was hardcore the um, men who are pro-choice against like pro-life women and i can't ever finish the videos like i watch them and i'm like this is accomplishing nothing we're just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and i feel like they're a complete waste of time and then i end up getting upset so i'm curious to see <laughs> and then i tell them to turn it off because i can't watch it anymore so i'm i'm curious to get your guys's opinion on those kinds of videos if you think that they're those kinds of videos are helpful at all because i watch them and i think that they're pointless because nobody's changing either side at all do you know what I'm trying to ask? Like, I just was, I'm curious about that. If you guys think that they're helpful and if I'm wrong, thinking that they're a waste of time to watch. 
All right, I'm going to take this one last. All right, mm-hmm. I want to I want to hear what everybody else thinks first. So, are you talking about like the whatever podcast where Michael Knowles goes and tells whores to come to Jesus? Stuff like that too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just like... well, now I suddenly want to watch this the way you described it, Aaron. <laughs> now I'm interested. Yes, but anyway, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, I think I think in that circumstance they can be valuable because those women have never even been challenged on any level, just to plant a seed. I think they can be valuable, but as you know, to the degree which they're like changing hearts and minds, no, that's not really the point of those. I think it's just to plant seeds for those people. Uh, you can maybe debate whether that should be entertainment for the rest of us. Uh, it could be instruction for the rest of us on how to debate effectively. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the degree to which we're, we're changing hearts and minds here with debates. I mean, was there any great revival? Who was it? It was, uh, oh man, I can't remember the name of the atheist, but I know William Lane Craig, who's one of the premier uh, Christian philosophers, apologists mm-hmm. of, of the age. He debated a famous, uh, Euro- I think it was a European atheist. Did we have a great revival after that debate? It was televised. Uh, no, we didn't. But at least I have to think some seeds were planted. Well, what do you think, Todd? broadly speaking, I, I would say that they are useful. I mean, this is ultimately goes all the way back to the Greeks again, uh, Socratic dialogue. No idea worth having is uh, worth having if you aren't willing uh, to test it in the uh, arena of ideas. And also the simple fact that nobody comes, you know, to terms with an immediate fact that somebody won and somebody lost, you know, right there on stage that, well, think about any argument you've had your sibling your parents out at a bar like how often do you go back and forth and somebody just repents and says yes you got me i mean that's not how it works it is how it usually works here and with with uh, seeds planted and i think interestingly enough it might work as much or more have the potential to in that weird uh michael knowles and the whores <laughs> Uh, version of things <laughs> that's then, the name of a band right there michael yeah, Knowles and the horse it is yes I, the hits. yes um that, but then on crossfire or something like that that no matter how with what intent they started um it's it, that kind of stuff on cable news is so formulaic and so, so soundbite-ish and you're you're you you have minutes to speak but if, if, if they're doing what you're talking about, and I'm not exactly familiar with it, but if, if they're having an hour-long discussion, yeah, I mean, it, maybe that's a sign of your level of maturity already in terms of some of these arguments. But a lot of people, you know, need to be thrown into these fires. If they want to be serious about being part of the solution down the road, uh, they, they need to know how to, to do this. They need to know how rhetoric works. And ultimately, this isn't a debate contest. This is somebody some, Somebody said recently on social media that, that conservatives make that mistake all the time, whereas the left just, you know, goes for power. That does need to be understood, which, but that doesn't mean turn your brain off and not know how to learn this and do this well. Your dad is successful at this because he realizes how important it is. Very good answers. I will add the following. Um, to what they said. Uh, Amen to everything both of them said. I'll add this. I think from your perspective, you grew up around this. And as much as, you know, um, I I tried to give, let you guys have a normal childhood. You were always, you know, I used to, when you were little, I used to call you my little Augustine. You followed me around. You wanted to come to speaking engagements. You asked me questions. And so um, 
you've you've worked in theater. You've been in an environment already where people have different worldviews and you've had to learn to navigate that. And so what what you're looking at from your perspective is this isn't there's no there's not going to be um, a positive resolution here. Your husband is a soldier. All right. He is signed up and wired for combat. So what, what he's looking for is is proof of concept, I believe. What he wants to see is when the bullets start flying, metaphorically speaking, all right, do the things that I, that I, and the people that I agree with and the values that I agree with, can they, can they hold up in the fight? Not just when we're around a bunch of people that agree with us, but can they hold up in the fight? You kind of already experienced that. And I think for him, this is his kind of tour of duty where that's concerned. And it's also kind of the way that he's wired. So if you, I agree with you, sweetie, if you're going in there thinking at the end, you know, we're going to smoke peace pipe and folks are going to be like, wow, you're right. I need to, I need to repent. Probably not in most cases. You're right. But if you're going in there wondering, hey, man, can we take heavy fire and come out on the other side, which is, I guess, what he's looking at. Yeah. Then I think there can be uh, something productive found there for sure. Gotcha. Well, no, I was just curious because I can't I can't watch those videos. <laughs> he wants me to watch them all the time with him because it gets him fired up. It gets me fired up and I just get in a bad mood. It just reminds <laughs> it gets me in my Steve Dace mood. I'm just slamming dishes around and stuff like that. <laughs> so no, I was just curious. Okay, so my second question for you guys. So in honor of Aaron and I's birthday week, what is all of your guys' favorite birthday memories? Um I got one. Go ahead. I've got one, too. Go ahead, Todd. Uh, it's my very first uh, date with my wife. It just happened to be on my birthday, and, and she didn't even know it because she was living here in Iowa, and I was living in uh, Wisconsin, and we had met three weeks earlier and talking on the phone and finally said, I'm, you know, we had too good of a time together. I'm, I'm coming. And she, you know, was doubting whether I was real or not. Uh, so on my birthday, uh, I, I uh, came there and uh, the rest is history. So she's the best uh, birthday present ever. Aww. We should, probably should have had Aaron or Todd go last. <laughs> that was really sweet. Now, Deal with okay. that, suckers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, you know, it's funny. I saw a story last week where a mom bought her virginal son a hooker for his birthday. Oh, and uh, exactly. Yes. And <laughs> not uh, quite the same story. <laughs> no, not it's quite. A different. Uh, it's more the world according to Garp. If you ever seen that movie back in the day. But, um, I, I, it reminded me of my favorite birthday that I had as a kid is your grandmother one year got me a, uh, a breakaway before we had like goal setters. Um, a breakaway basketball hoop that he had your uh, your grandpa Dave install low enough, like nine and a half feet back when we could jump back in the day, so that we could actually uh, dunk on it. And I thought, you know, she didn't buy me a hooker, but I thought that basketball hoop, man, was pretty freaking dope. I mean, we had so many good times on that thing. That was a pretty cool birthday. But But my all-time favorite, is the year that you guys pulled off the surprise birthday party for my 39th birthday. And I, I really had no idea what was going to go down. And, uh, that was a really cool event. That's probably my favorite one, Aaron. So th this is going to be, uh, I'm going to out myself in the extreme as a homeschooled sheltered, uh, kid. But the one that, that jumps off the page to me actually is my 10th birthday. 
and uh, had all my friends over to the house, like even ones that I didn't have over regularly. We had like a bunch of a bunch of boys over, and we played the biggest game of army that you've ever seen across the entire property, down at the pond, out in the windbreak, everywhere. A bunch of ten-year-olds. Casually year olds. count was high. Yes, it was very high. So that's that's always my favorite. <laughs> nice. And then my last question for you guys is if you could have any celebrity on the show, who would you choose and why? Hmm. Um, Donald Trump. Uh, because I, I, I want to see if it's possible to reason with him on Operation Warp Speed from someone who actually knows something about it, as opposed to most media people who kind of don't. That would be my answer, given what's at stake on on multiple levels with such a conversation. That would be my answer. Uh, I just saw him uh, on social media recently, and I think his testimony is it appears pretty uh, powerful. Uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg you know, talking oh, about talking about yeah. you know making That's a, a father stew. Uh, how reaching out to those who need the Lord looks, you know, is kind of contextual at times. It why he made Father Stu the way he did, and some people had issue it. Well, some people, though, some people have probably never spent time in prison in the in the hood like he has, mm-hmm. and he knows if I'm going to reach that person's heart, this is how they need to hear it. I think he's a very interesting individual. I would do Chris Pratt. I, I think he would be a fun person to interview and ask about. You know, he's been somewhat outspoken uh, about his his faith, and he just seems like a fun guy to be around. So that's the guy I, I would choose. I like Anna, all you have Anna, you have one? Uh, probably Taylor Swift. It's probably who I'd invite on the Steve Day show. No. <laughs> no. That's not a good answer. No. What would we talk no. about with her? Just, I think just everything. Maybe just start with her history. Maybe about why she endorsed Biden, her and Trav. <laughs> Who's more shallow, Taylor Swift or Travis Kelsey? Discuss. Um, it's got to be Travis Kelsey. I think that's pretty easy. But she's easy. the one dating him, so. Who's, Who's the, the fool? fool? <laughs> yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm sorry. Last I chopper asked. out of Nam. Last chopper out of Nam. That's what I, this I'm is. Now- I'm sorry I even asked that question. You had to have seen that coming. Now, based, uh, based on have. your own principle, Anna, about the the doofus father, <laughs> you, you, you can't let your kid just wander around listening to Taylor Swift. <laughs> you realize that based on your own principle. I I have been listening to Taylor Swift while Autumn's been in the womb so that when she comes out, she'll want to listen to her. But music. once she becomes verbal. <laughs> I want to thank Anna for the mess that she left me in my inbox, I'm sure, <laughs> after this show is over, for sure. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. All right. Be well. We're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. We're going to get into that video clip from the Oklahoma legislature that Aaron had in his montage. We'll discuss that more. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow on Friday for the Dace Group. Until then, Romans 828. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.